Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. I, I, I just hope I'm not really odd when I'm in real life again, like I've not lost all the skills my interpersonal <laughs> skills i'll be such a weird transition i think like mm-hmm. i haven't spoken to many people other than like doing this since the lockdown started so like small talk i don't remember how you do that because i've only had like work meetings which you usually don't start by talking about weather or you know things like that so yeah it will be it will be an interesting transition for all of us i think absolutely well but no i will say that i am delighted to be on the internet connecting digitally with not one but two people at the same time which blows my tiny mind as well (laughs) (laughs) and i'm talking to patricia cupius who is the director of YWCA and Ange Melvin, who is... Now I'm going to get this wrong already, Ange. That's okay, don't worry. So I am... I'll save you from that one. So I am the... Um, oh, God, I've forgotten myself now. <laughs> yes! This is just going to go great, isn't it? So I'm the Programmes Coordinator for Outreach. You are. Let me just check with my director, am I? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. correct. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Love that. Love it. And I'm going to keep all of that loveliness in because that this is real life. This is real life. This is what we're dealing with. Real life bloopers. And so you both work with YWCA Scotland. First, I mean, I've got so many questions and, you know, I, I've been educating myself on your work via the joys of the internet and all your great content on Instagram and Twitter. And I've been sharing lots of things that you've been doing recently. It looks like you're very active in this lockdown COVID time, which is great to see. I guess my first question would be, what would be your elevator pitch? Um, I can maybe do that one. Uh, so we are uh, a national charity that exists to promote leadership opportunities uh, for women and girls. And we aim to kind of empower women and girls to, to have their voices heard, respected and celebrated uh, in all areas of life. And we do that through uh, programs, uh, activities, events, uh, digital presence, campaigns, research, advocacy work, uh, anything that, that we can do to kind of create a more gender equal society in Scotland. Uh, so we do it through many, many different ways as a very, very small team. Uh, so there is seven of us in total uh, kind of doing all the work that, that we do. And we do kind of bigger national programs and campaigns, but we also do more kind of grassroots community level work in Glasgow. Uh, and that's the part of the team that, that Ange is a programs coordinator for kind of outreach within that Glasgow area. Uh, so we sort of combine that sort of national advocacy and campaigning uh, with a kind of community level approach, uh, which is a really nice way uh, of doing things as a charity, that, mm-hmm. that we are still in touch with the community, but we also exist to kind of influence policy change and influence structural changes to, to hopefully move one step closer to gender equality in Scotland. So we've been kind of chipping away at patriarchy and misogyny and all these kind of horrible oppressive structures that, that, we, mm-hmm. that we all live with. That was a really good elevator pitch. 
<laughs> well, I didn't tell you what floor we were going to. We were going right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I actually live on the third floor, and the building that I'm in has nine floors. So I think we just went to the very top. <laughs> and maybe that's, twice. that's where we should always be aiming. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> always aiming for the top. Absolutely. <laughs> and feel free, both of you, to, to chip in on this. But what, what is the background of the organization? So, certainly, like, I'm. I'm aware of the YMCA. Uh So we kind of started as part of the same movement as YMCA. Uh, So we started as this kind of Christian association for young women. And then we, I think fairly quickly, we rebranded ourselves to be inclusive of women of all faiths and no faiths. Uh, And and it's been uh, the way we've been doing work for many, many years now. Uh, So yeah, it started as kind of like community groups for young women uh, where they could spend time together. And it was all around that sort of the same religious belief, I guess. But we moved away from that model very quickly, kind of focusing more on on women's leadership uh, and on creating opportunities for women to get together. And we are part of a worldwide movement. So there is World YWCA, but there are YWCAs in um, different countries around the world. Mm-hmm. And, and some of them still operate more uh, within that sort of faith-based model. Uh, while ourselves, we moved away from that. Uh, but we get confused with YMCA all the time. Yes, all the time. <laughs> Really, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, I've been called director of YMCA Scotland many, many times. <laughs> so that happens. Uh, a You're lot. like, I've got enough to do. I don't need to be tagged exactly. on another organization. And we rebranded ourselves slightly, so we have the longest name ever, uh, and so it's easy for people to to get it wrong. So we are YWCA Scotland dash the Young Women's Movement, and the Young Women's Movement part was again to kind of emphasize that, you know, we are proud of our roots as YWCA movement, but we moved away from that religion-based model. As I said, like, especially in Glasgow, like, we work with women from so many diverse backgrounds, and we didn't want them not to be able to access our services or not think that our programs are actually for them because of the association that maybe they're bringing from their home country, thinking, okay, YWCA is only for Christian women, and I'm a Muslim woman. This is definitely not for me because that's that's not how how we do our work. I think as well, it was keeping the kind of YWCA element. Although, as Patricia has just said, it's not the religious element that's there. It's kind of a nod to the past of all the incredible work that all the incredible women who've ever worked for the organisation have done. And um, so it was kind of quite rightly we want to keep a hold of that and recognise that, but also take the organization forward um, in a way that reflects the women we work with, which is women from all faiths and none and women from all over Scotland, all over the world who live in Scotland. So, yeah, it's it, – and we're old. I mean, we don't look it, but the, the organization, YWCA has been around for – is it, Patricia, 160 years or something? Yeah, I think it's 165 yeah. this year. Wow. Yeah. We look good, oh, don't we? Well done. You are right. Yeah. <laughs> You are my oldest podcast case. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I feel a badge is winging its way. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and, and personally, for both of you, what was your introduction to the organization and what made you want to work with YWCA? So I started as a volunteer uh, in 2017. Uh, so I ran our campaign called 30 Under 30. 
So it's kind of an idea that we borrowed from Forbes lists of 30 under 30, but we really wanted to focus on 30 amazing young women uh, who either live in Scotland or are from Scotland, uh, and especially like those hidden heroes, like, you know, not people that everyone hears about, but those people kind of doing amazing work in their communities uh, and, and kind of recognize the activism that they are doing or the change that they are creating to show people that young women are actually doing amazing stuff and sort of highlight the work that they are doing. As I've been running that campaign and it was really successful that year and it was such a brilliant opportunity. Like I loved every second of it. I loved how inclusive the organization felt. Like it it felt so relaxed and it was such a nice kind of lovely safe space and everyone was so supportive. Uh, And then I also got to interview and meet like 30 really amazing young women. And my imposter syndrome at that point was going crazy because that was the year, like I literally turned 30, I think two months before, before the campaign ran. Okay. Uh, and I was meeting those, you know, amazing 15-year-olds who are, like, going to UN uh, or people, like, running <laughs> campaigns at the age of 12. And I was like, what wow. have I done with my life? <laughs> but it was brilliant. Like, I loved it so much, even though I worked full-time and did this campaign full-time on top of that. And I probably didn't finish working, like, until, I don't know, midnight every day. But, yeah, it's just, like, I kind of felt like I found my place uh, and it felt amazing. So I knew that, like, any opportunity that will come up with the organization, like I will go for it. And the next opportunity that came up literally at the end of that month, our previous director left. And that was the opportunity that came up. And I never thought that I will get it, but I was like, I'll just I'll just kick myself for the rest of my life if I if I don't even go for it. So I like put the best application in and then I did two interviews and, and they felt great. And I was like, oh, I met those people. Like maybe they will have me in mind for the next opportunity. It was such a positive experience. And then they called me the next day to say that I got the job. And, and I'm still kind of like pinching myself because it was really a dream job. Like I, I loved every minute of it. So yeah, so I started from, from a volunteer and then... But how lovely, like going from that imposter syndrome, sitting with those girls going, what have I done in my life? Exactly. But then you had the courage or bravery or whatever you want to call it, or just obviously you felt so passionate about what you'd experienced that you went for that job and then you got it because yeah. you deserved to get it. That That's inspiration in itself. You put yourself out there. Um, if you really want something, if you're really passionate about something, then you know you, you can make it a reality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I probably wouldn't do it if I didn't have didn't have that experience of of interviewing and meeting all those amazing young women. I probably wouldn't have the courage because it's like it's a typical thing that I think many women do. That you know you look at the kind of essential criteria for any job, and you're like, oh, I kind of maybe don't have like this one single thing quite yet so I'm definitely not going to apply for that while you see so many male applicants just going like well I'll give it a go Uh, so yeah I would encourage everyone just to give it a go if you're really passionate about something like the worst thing that that will happen you will maybe get to meet some great people have an interview with them uh, and maybe they will keep you in mind for another opportunity even if that's not the job that you will get so Mm. yeah definitely worth it I think in a way as well, it's it's a great example, Patricia's journey with volunteering and then being our director. It's a brilliant example of how we do support women. So the women who come to our centre, hopefully, fingers crossed, if we've done our job well, which I think we do, they then do have that confidence to think, well, do you yeah. know what? all right, I don't tick every box, but I've got this to offer. So 
it, it's a really that's kind of Patricia's journey is a really good example of how we like to work with women and all right so they might not always be want to be a director or get a director's job but for some women it might just be that they want to go back to college or they want yeah. to be a bit more political but they don't know how to do it and don't feel confident so so shine an example of what we do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and the two other people that actually work full-time, uh, well, one of them works full-time, another person works part-time uh, in Edinburgh office. They both been through mm-hmm. our programs, programs first. Yeah. So they started as kind of programs participants and then they applied for opportunities that we had and now they work for us. Uh, so this awesome. is definitely the way that we like doing things. You know, if people are really passionate for, you know, about our cause and our organization, like that's the best recommendation for them. Like, you know, if yeah. people are already involved, like we know that they are probably a good fit for our organization and that they sort of understand our culture. And and also because we advocate advocate for more leadership opportunities especially for young women so you know we want to lead by example like we want to show that you can actually give those senior management positions to, to young women and they are actually going to do a great job brilliant what about yourself Ange? what was your introduction to the to the organization and what made you want to be a part of it well i'd oh, I, so i'd worked in liverpool for years i um, supporting young people with mental health issues um and kind of bridging a gap between adult and child services because at that time in Liverpool there was like two years gap of from 16 to 18 and anyway I came back to Glasgow my husband's from Glasgow I've lived here for a long 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 time and I was working with him for his in his uh, business I loved it and it was great but I was really really missing the work that I do which is the face-to-face grassroots work um and I just, I wanted to get back to it. So I was looking about, and I sh- I'm not even going to pretend it was like I targeted an organization, but I knew I wanted to work with women. I knew that from, I've always kind of dream job. But I was looking around and I was like, okay, so as chance had it, you know, one of these things, there was a, a, a job opportunity, went for it. Interview, I had a bit of a different experience for the interview um, because I'd had to climb, it was at the time when before we were YWC Scotland, it was YWC Glasgow. And we were in a really old building in Charing Cross, which was, and the interview was in the top floor, which was, you know, big, huge, winding Victorian stairs. So by the time I got up to the top, I was like sweating. I was bright red. I was absolutely like heavy breathing it was disgusting (laughs) so I literally had to ask them for five ten minutes before I could even stop and I was like you know when you think to yourself I have just literally not even talked myself out of the job because I haven't said anything but as I'm sat like (sighs) so anyway I'd done the interview and it was actually my manager Carol who's the director of Glasgow services she was interviewing and yeah I was I got a call the next day you've got the job and you know I think it's like nine years ten years later I'm still here and loving it yeah love that but again it's that inner talk as well isn't it you're yeah. you're cl- climbed all those stairs and you think well that's it you know it's not happening yeah. like, you know, there's part of me that wonders was that actually part of it if she stays <laughs> if she actually stays through the interview she's <laughs> like i think there was a fitness test in this job interview. <laughs> well i certainly didn't pass that that's for sure <laughs> no it was really nice but i knew i knew um the organization is one I wanted to work for. I love the work we do. I'm passionate about it. I love the women 
and work within the team and love the partners. We, we're so lucky with the partners we have and the women who, who obviously I come into contact in Glasgow communities and the Glasgow Centre. It's just a hoot. I mean, it is just, sometimes it can be tough and challenging, but honestly, most of the time it's just full. The centre is full of brilliant women who are chatting and, you know, 40 different languages spoken in the one room. It's just, I mean, it really is an absolute pleasure, a real pleasure. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Yes, it really is. It does. Right, okay, I'm going to put this question to you, and I bet the answer is going to be, like, there is no typical week. But what is a typical week like for YWCA in terms of your mm-hmm. job title and where you're working and the people that you're working with on a daily basis? So for me, oh, my God, yeah, it, it changes so much. Uh, so we might be, well, I'm responsible for uh, doing kind of funding bids and reporting and kind of building those relationships with, with funders uh, and, and doing kind of fundraising. Uh, and Carol, who manages our Glasgow Centre, does that as well. Uh, so often it will be kind of doing that sort of thing. So more kind of admin staff and, you know, doing the budgets and, and applying for potential new pots of money and uh, and kind of working with, with, with women that we support through our work uh, and with the advisory panel of young women, kind of advise me on everything that I do, you know, strategic direction of our organization uh, and kind of figuring out what our next steps are going to be. Is there like anything that is missing from, from what we are doing, especially right now, uh, like our programs and, and our the work that we deliver changes so much from week to week in response to the current crisis. Uh, so I might be speaking with them and being like, is there something that we are missing? Should we be doing webinars? Should we do, be doing support groups? Um, maybe we should be sending self-care packs, like how we can support people better and then trying to find money to be able to do that. Uh, so that could be what I'm doing. Uh, it could be kind of planning our digital work with with our digital officer um, and planning campaigns that we do. Uh, it could be planning their annual research that we do called Status of Young Women in Scotland uh, and kind of how to promote that and, you know, sending it, that to kind of relevant partners and politicians and, and thinking about like the next step after the report is released, how we can actually implement the changes that young women are asking for. And, and the rest is kind of managing team, like meeting with team, making sure that everyone is fine, doing all the kind of HR bits and, you know, building new partnerships, uh, speaking opportunities, kind of uh, managing relationship with press. Like it, it's, there's just so much stuff. And then also uh, keeping our board of trustees informed and kind of catching up frequently with them. And they are amazing. Like we, like I'm so privileged, I think, as a director in third sector that I absolutely love working with our board of trustees. Uh, I've heard like so many horror stories when I started from other people in the sector being like, oh my God, your first board meeting, like prepare for it, it will be horrible. And I remember when I went for my first board meeting, it was maybe like a month in and I was absolutely terrified. Like my hands were shaking and it was such a lovely experience. And I was like, okay, our organization is a bit different. We're not just sitting about drinking tea and eating biscuits, but actually having meaningful conversations and then actually putting work into place like not just making noise exactly and it and it feels like we make decisions like I get so much support from them you know if I ever wobble or if I yeah if I'm like struggling because I'm at the top and there isn't like anyone else there so if I need any help from them uh even just to platform some of the ideas uh, that I have and be like am I crazy or is this a good idea should we go in that direction like they're always there for me 
And likewise, like for the team, uh, like we do weekly catch-ups and we discuss like any plans that we have for everything. Like it's always discussed across the team and everyone can pitch in and people usually bring great ideas to the table. So it's, yeah, it's in, in a sense, like it's such a democratic organization that it just, yeah, it just feels really good. Like as Ange said, it's, there are obviously there are struggles. Like we are a charity in uh, these very uncertain times. So there are struggles, like we survived for 165 years and I hope that we have at least at another 165 years, but we just don't know. We rely on, you know, receiving that funding to still be able to do the work that we do. And we've adapted everything that we do so many times throughout these years just to meet the needs of the of the women that we support. So it's, yeah, from week to week, it, it just changes so much, uh, but it's never boring. Mm. What about yourself, Anne? Because you're, so you're based in Glasgow. Yeah, so mine is very different to um, Patrizia's week in the sense that um, I'm actually delivering. So facilitator, I guess that's the best way to describe me. So um, I will literally be going into community groups of women and um, established groups and running a program with them that we call Empowering Pathways for Women, which is a program that was designed by women for women, by our organisation. And also, obviously, we had input from women and, you know, the advisory board and, and lots of things to create this brilliant 10-week program. So I physically, I am going in to deliver that with groups but of course this is my typical week before lockdown yes, so yeah so I do that but also um, I'm based in the center for a couple of days a week so I'm um, speaking with women there signposting them we know what we're really good at in our mm. center but we also know the value of directing and signposting women to other organizations if they have a particular need or you know an issue that they, mm. they need support with and um, so a lot of time is spent doing that um, I am looking after our partners so our outreach partners it's just that constant conversation and it's actually so natural as well so it's not like hello it's how you do oh, I saw that on Twitter the other day and that's really great and tell me about this so it's really maintaining those partnerships because it's so important to us and the more important to the women you know that we're working really well with our partners but we're genuinely very lucky and um, so it's all of that and then it's kind of you know, reporting and providing evidence and we're constantly evaluating the programme. So the programme, although it's like a 10-week programme, it is constantly updating and changing because we literally evaluate at the end evaluate at the end of every session with the women. So mm-hmm. it might be that something's not working for one group, so we need to look at that. So it's just constant movement, really. Bonding to, yeah, to the exactly. And if you don't, you're not actually working with the people that you're there to support you're actually just giving them something it's like right there it is where that's not what we're about I mean our whole organization is about listening to women promoting the voices having the voices heard respecting them so we do genuinely genuinely care about that so it's that and then it's what else it's kind of social media content it's working across projects so we'll kind of hop into different projects and and things like that and yeah so I mean that's just a typical week but there's always other things happening yeah going to networking and doing talks well that's it so many ways in which you can reach out to but also have young women 
then reach out to your yourselves as well through you know your online promotion and events that you're doing and then working with other partner organizations that then open another yeah. audience to the work that you're doing that's yeah as well as kind of what i do in the glasgow center so you've got carol and she does pretty much what Patricia does in the sense of the funding, report, uh, strategic stuff. And then we've got Heidi, who does kind of what I do, but in our centre. So I go out, she stays in, she looks after our college because we have college tutors come in and deliver in the centre as well. And then we've got Libby, who runs, she's our programmes coordinator for our schools. So she goes out and works in the schools in Glasgow, delivering gender equality uh, sessions with P6 and 7 girls. So, yeah, it's a, it's a lively centre. Goodness. Yeah. And I guess it's just about setting goals and aspirations for the organisation that you want to achieve after responding to what the women you're working with are saying, but also the things that you know time and time again are coming up because gender inequality is definitely so very are. much in, in existence. Yeah, yeah. So can you kind of highlight particular goals or aspirations met and then new ones that you've kind of see come into to play in more recent times that you're now working towards so uh in terms of kind of our strategic objectives i think like the the most important one for us always has been kind of increasing uh leadership opportunities and just you know getting uh, especially young women just around the table and really having their voices heard. And I mean, like in all sectors, so kind of increasing young women on boards. And again, like we lead by example, like half of our board is uh, young women under the age of 30, including chair, vice chair and treasurer. And we do that through like variety of programs. Like we have like one of our flagship programs that is like one of our national programs that's we run from Edinburgh as called Young Women Lead. And it's a program that we run in partnership with the Scottish Parliament, where we get a group of young women of around 30 young women every year, uh, setting up their own parliamentary committee and getting like all the support that any parliamentary committee would get. So getting support from research and spies and kind of digital teams at the Scottish Parliament. And they have their uh, committee sessions uh, chaired by Linda Fabiani, uh, who is deputy presiding officer at the Scottish Parliament. And the sessions are broadcasted uh, on the Parliament TV. So kind of anyone could tune in and, and anyone could watch them. And they, as a group, select a topic that they think is particularly important for young women and like an issue that they want the Scottish government to address. And then they do their research and then they present back their findings and recommendations to the Scottish government. And we, like our work is then to, to make sure that Scottish government actually takes those recommendations on board and, and checking up on them and making sure that, you know, there is progress done in those areas. So, for example, in the first year when I started, we looked at sexual harassment in Scottish schools. And we uh, fed directly into the review of personal and social education, which was happening at that time in Scotland. And now we are working on a campaign on kind of consent and peer-to-peer sexual abuse in schools together with NSPCC. So we're kind of taking that campaign a step further and and doing a bigger national campaign with with another uh, national organization. Uh, And then in second year, we looked at barriers to sport for young women. And that sort of drop off point when when young women become less engaged with with sport activities Mm -hmm. and sort of why it happens and how we can improve things. And then we grew it 
into even bigger piece of research that we did on body image for our status of young women in Scotland, which then will be followed up by a massive campaign next month. So watch this space uh, on our yeah. digital channels. Like there will be a lot of stuff happening there. And then this year, uh, Young Women Lead are looking at transition from education to employment for women from ethnic minority backgrounds which is obviously very, very timely as well. Mm. Uh, and will be the report will be launched probably in kind of early September. Uh, so these are like, like a snapshot of some of the things that we do. So we usually take one idea and work with this through like different programs, campaigns, and we sort of build on that. And we still like kind of put that pressure on Scottish government to, to create change in that area. Uh, if we don't see uh, a massive sort of shift in something that young women tell us time and time again, you know, something that I experienced as a young woman, maybe when I was 20. And now young women who are 20 are telling us the same thing is still happening yeah. and something yeah. needs to change. Really evident that it's not just like a box ticking exercise no. that you're doing, that it's very much like, yeah, we're listening and we're encouraging and inspiring and connecting young women to each other, yeah. but also that, you know, their voices are being heard and then changes being implemented. It's exactly. not just like, oh, we'll give you a place at the table, but and you can say your bit, but that'll that's, be, that'll, yeah. that's where it ends. No, yeah, and it's yeah. very much, it sounds to me like your emphasis is on Action and change. change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And sometimes, obviously, like we know it, it sometimes will take, a lot of effort and you know it's not going to happen overnight mm -hmm. but we as I said like we keep just chipping away uh, at those structures that are kind of preventing or like holding young women back uh, from claiming that seat at the table and, and just being you know owning that space and having them treated seriously not just being given that sort of token okay we have one young person around the table great you know we can tick the box for for diversity and yeah. that's it yeah. we are not going to do anything uh, around the recommendations that they are giving us we are not going to create a safe space that they actually feel comfortable contributing to to whatever discussion is happening so yeah so it's all about kind of creating that culture change I guess like mm -hmm. that's the big overall aim at to, to well the thing it. is you're going to lend your voice more if you think that it's going to be worth it yeah young women are going to come forward and and offer up their voice and and be vulnerable and put themselves in you know in a position where that they've never maybe been in before in order to affect change in order to think well I you know I'm making a difference here obviously and you're working face to face with groups within your your role how do these conversations come around how do you then try to implement what the young women are, are kind of telling you on a on a day-to-day -day basis yeah I think what what works so well in the organization is the national work kind of you know the policy changing work and where we fit is for the women who really want to have the voice heard but don't quite know how to do that or don't feel as though it will be heard so we do that work ground level so that's why it, it works so well together because we are listening to women what they're physically saying to us literally in front of our face in a group setting while we're facilitating a group while we're learning so we, we'll be um, learning together about women's equality we'll be learning about intersectionality we'll be learning about feminism and what it means to you what it means to me it, it can be different to you know, every woman, um, but would we do the kind of building blocks. So that starts with, we're listening to the women. They know we're listening because we're implementing the things that they're saying and we're taking that on board. 
then that you see the progression kind of happening and then it's like, well, you know, you were mentioning this last week. Well, we've got a project, a national project that is, would you think about maybe getting involved mm. in that? So the national stuff and the ground level stuff, although it is quite different, it's is to get women's voices heard. I think the only difference really for us with a lot of national work, we really do focus on the young women's voice because we know they're going to make changes for the next generation. Uh, Glasgow is a bit more intergenerational, but that in itself is so valuable. So, yeah, so it it really is. We've got the whole ethos of the organisation and our ultimate aim is to have women's voices heard and have them in positions of leadership and make changes in their own voices. So we, we do that together albeit in a different way but it's got the the same end goal and I love the fact like that's one of my favorite things about working for this organization that we really take this grassroots stuff and then apply it to that Mm. national sort of almost like top level stuff like one is not more important than the other and actually Mm. like all the grassroots work or the community work like really inspires like that net next step in, in our national work. Like we wouldn't be able to do things that we are doing if we weren't doing that kind of face-to-face support. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Otherwise it will be just, you know, shiny campaigns that are not yeah. really informed by the people yeah. who, who want to see that change and who not only want to see that change, who need to see that change in, in, in order to, you know, to be able to succeed in life. Like they need for those changes to happen and we are directly listening to their voices. And it sort of removes that thing. And we've been thinking a lot about that as an organization. And I guess especially now that not everyone, you know, is internet literate. Not everyone loves using social media. Not everyone feels comfortable speaking really openly on kind of social media platforms. And we provide that another opportunity that in a kind of smaller group setting and a safe space, even if you feel really shy in the beginning, even if the confidence is not there, even if you feel like my voice doesn't really matter, like the tutors that that work at Glasgow Centre, the program coordinators, they really build up that confidence. Anytime that I speak with any woman who have been through through those programs, like it's like a family for them. Like it's mm-hmm. a relationship that they have, you know, for for their life. And and we often like in Glasgow, we work with them when they are at the most difficult, the most challenging you know, period in their life, like they're overcoming something huge, like it could be, they could be refugees, they could be asylum seekers, uh, they could be survivors of, of violence and domestic abuse. You know, we get them in that point where they feel like my voice really doesn't matter. And when they leave, like it's a completely different story. It's a completely different person. That makes our work way more powerful than Mm -hmm. just listening to those people who already found their voices, who are already like really active in feminist community. And, you know, I love all of those people. Like it's great. Like I I love seeing young women, you know, being confident and and claiming Mm -hmm. that space, but not everyone is at that stage. And we yeah, you're always aware there are people that are not are, are not confident enough to speak up mm-hmm. or don't have the the agency to. Yeah, you've got, as an organisation, you you've got to be because not everyone's the same, yeah. and not everyone's life is the same, and not everyone's yeah. experience is the same. So, in order to get the best for women in Scotland, we have to totally understand, and we do as an organisation and as individuals, we've got to understand that that you've got to look. Different ways of how to engage. So that's why for for our organisation, so the national stuff is so important. Our in-house stuff, some women feel safer. Our centres, women only, safer coming there. That's why we go into schools because now the the girls are in the classroom. They're already there. They're engaged, and then Libby goes in, and they have the best time ever. 
learning about equality and our partners are really important to us because it's about then me going into a woman's environment so it's not about her being uncomfortable she's comfortable she's already there she's with a group she's with an organization that she trusts who have been working with her for a long time doing brilliant work and then it's about me going into your world and it's right so you feel a bit more confident you know not every woman can get into our centre. So we do, and the same with the national work, we really try our best to get out there as well, whether yeah. that means, you know, Patricia's on a plane going up to the Outer Hebrides or wherever, yeah. or to speak, or our social researchers that do the status of young women travel all over Scotland. You know, it's about really kind of reaching people where they, where they feel comfortable reaching yeah. with mm, yeah. And you said, like, there's an aspect of your work that is intergenerational, and I think that's important too, that, exactly. that young women are hearing the stories of women that, have, you know, are very much, still very much experiencing yeah. the, what it's like to be a woman in Scotland and that we can learn from their stories and their experiences yeah. and also they can champion your work and the work of young women and encourage them to, to speak up and be active and you know, support others and basically make change. And I work with you know, teenage girls in a dance capacity and obviously I understand going into a dance class, every single person in that class is different. Their experience yeah. is different. I'm just thinking of all the young people, all the young women that I work with and I'm like, yeah, I'm so glad YWCA exists because oh. it just sounds all sorts of wonderful. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I, I guess we should kind of touch on the current climate that, you know, certainly I would have preferred mm. to have done this in real life yeah. and met you both mm. in real life. And I'm hopefully we'll do that in the future. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're all online. We're all on Zoom calls and, and you've had to adapt to change. And yeah. it sounds you're very much equipped to adapt and you just basically make it happen. But what has that looked like in the last, what, 12 weeks or whatever it is? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I must say, I've been really proud of the team at how quickly everyone was able to adapt and like really think outside the box. Because for many things that we do, like that face-to-face contact was was how we created those opportunities, and also that sort of safe space, that physical safe space uh, that women had, especially in Glasgow. Like we've been thinking about like all different ways of how we can like recreate that without being able to put people in the same space uh, for the foreseeable. Future future so whether it's like you know delivering programs over zoom and all that uh, which was you know a fairly easy transition but also kind of tutors and and you know program coordinators checking up on people uh, making sure that everyone is okay like calling them and you know even just to chat with people because that's what people do when they come to our center sometimes it's not for a class sometimes it's just mm. for a catch-up and you know a cup of tea. exactly yeah. uh, <laughs> and like all the different things that we offer at our centers, whether it's like access to sanitary products that you get for free or, you know, food vouchers or, or things like that, that, that we can support women with. We've been doing all of that kind of remotely and sending people packages. We, we managed excess money to actually do like self-care packs. Uh, so to just send people like nice things to remind them that, you know, this is a hard time. You are thinking about mm. you. Uh, we know that it's going to be challenging for you. Like you're stuck at home. You don't have that safe space. Some of them might be in, you know, challenging situations at home. And sometimes it's just like juggling, you know, working from home and, you know, caring responsibilities and, you know, this global crisis happening in the background. So we wanted to do like nice little things like that. 
We created a series of webinars. Uh, we're launching a, a massive campaign next week, uh, next month, sorry, almost next week. And that's all around you kind know, of body image and how we speak about our bodies and how other people speaking about their bodies in, in a negative way can impact on us. And, and we thought it's like especially important in this time when you know, you're not seeing people that, you know, on a daily basis. So many people are using that as a kind of opportunity to like reinvent themselves and having that sort of pressure that, you know, it has to be this grand makeover that when I come out of lockdown, you know, I would have lost two stone and, um, you know, a professional baker and I can speak five languages and all that sort of stuff. Just that, that sort of constant pressure, but also maybe being stuck at home, whoever it is, your parents, your partners, like people who maybe don't speak about their bodies or your body in the kind of most positive way. Uh, and you cannot get away from that. Like, it's not like you can go out and meet with friends or you can leave the house. Like if that's, you know, that space is a negative space for you. So there's like a lot of pressure and we see so many like fat phobic memes of, you know, when the lockdown finishes, I will look like a whale or, you know, I thought that summer was cancelled and now I need to lose weight. Mm. You know, all that sort of stuff that it's yeah, like, a, yeah, a huge toll on your mental health. Like, I think dealing with pandemic is enough without worrying about being super productive and super fit and mm. all of those things that, that so many people get pressured into doing. So that's the, sort of we're doing a campaign around that. And a part of that was also we were lucky to access like additional pots of money to do campaigns of this sort and to do webinars and to do new new activity. And a part of that was was also to be able to pay people who maybe lost their income to create those like additional opportunities for people in creative sector uh, that can, you know, create an amazing image for us around that campaign around body image or people who can, I don't know, do a song or, you know, people who can deliver a class kind of adapting to, to that you know we operate especially I think young people we operate in this kind of gig freelance economy when you have like so many things going on just to make like one income that is enough for you to live on and I think like a lot of work that we'll do in the future will be around kind of employment and knowing your value and kind of protecting yourself when you're doing freelance work because I can tell you like we've received so many pitches when people would be doing a project that would maybe take them a week or two weeks and they would ask us for 20 pounds or, you know, 30 pounds or or just contribute contribution maybe to materials that they will use. And we shouldn't be doing that. We should like, you know, you should know the value of your work and you should feel confident to ask. Yeah. Like the worst, you know, you may enter into a negotiation then, which is totally fine, but immediately saying like, oh, maybe 20 pounds or I'll be happy to do it for free. You know, emotional labor, you know, that the fact that maybe you are coming from, you know, a marginalized community uh, whether it's being a black woman or a trans woman or, you know, uh, a lesbian woman, and someone is asking you for an input, which is going to cost you so much emotionally, going yeah, to like something that you experience and the trauma maybe of that experience. And, you know, as a charity, we're often not able to pay a lot, but anytime we can, we try to yeah, pay. Yeah. And, and especially for those people that we know, it is beyond just like delivering that piece of work. It's kind of mm -hmm. having to dig in really deeply and experience that emotional labor and emotional labor should be compensated for. And that's something that often as women, we wouldn't ask to be compensated on. That, that will be our future, I think, post-lockdown kind of. I think that will be a particular focus because we've seen so many examples of that 
and the lockdown of people just not having the confidence to ask, you know, when, when they lost their livelihood. And I think that's something, that's the conversation that we really want to have. And the rest of that is just kind of providing support to people when they're going through this horrible situation, which is really stressful, uh, anxiety-inducing for anyone. But then there are intersections that, you know, particularly right now, you know, Black women and, and trans women with having their, you know, rights denied, but also, you know, their, their lives in danger. Uh, this is like, we want to still have it as a safe space for people. And we want to give this platform to other voices to, to talk about their experiences and then kind of compensate them uh, for doing that as long as it's coming from them. And that's, you know, how they want to use their voice. It sounds to me like you're just doing amazing work and absolutely very much adapting to change and, you know, the online thing. And and speaking to the participants that have moved online with you at this current time, what positives have you seen as well as obviously all the challenges and the, the, the more negative things that people are yeah. going through? So uh, to, to be fair, this is a, a kind of wish my colleague Heidi was here as well because it's Heidi who's mainly doing this work. But obviously we all check in, we speak every hmm. Monday, so. so yes, they are facing challenges, absolutely right. But what they're really enjoying is the fact that we've still maintained this sense of community for them and the sense of belonging and that sense of family and safety. And yes, it does look very different because you're not physically in a room with the women, but it's amazing how quickly people adapt um, and it's amazing how you become so used to that being oh so rather it's oh great I'm in my group on Monday it's like oh great I'm in my zoom group on Monday so we've still I mean we were really proactive I have to say as an organization before it kind of you know there was even talk of this going on we were already on it we were like right what do if this happens which we think it's going to happen how do we do? What do we do? So we were all rewriting programs. We were contacting the women, right? What what you want it to look like? Would this be mm. useful for you? So even within that kind of, we've still created that safe space for the women to, in particular, I'm talking about the Empowering Pathways program that the centre delivers. So Heidi's been working really hard at maintaining that and she's done an amazing job at keeping everybody together, which as you know, we've just realised technical issues can yeah. <laughs> crop up at any moment. Um, my seamless editing skills will edit that out, <laughs> but I will just say we were just having a lovely conversation and then my entire computer just switched on. Listen, like, it happens. Yes. It happens. So Heidi's done a cracking job of mm. managing that. Um, but also we're still always evaluating that because not all of our women are in a situation where they can actually access technology. So as well as delivering digitally, that was a bit of a mouthful, delivering digitally, <laughs> we're also... We are physically printing out worksheets and information sheets and references and, you know, lists of partner organizations and, you know, if you need help with this or support with this. So we're physically doing that because we know, I think it's just assumed that everybody has access to yeah. a device and internet and not everybody does. I think yeah. after this that, you know, when we are allowed to be face-to-face -face, that you will keep an element of the online thing going that because I guess some people are maybe more likely to engage with yeah, something yeah. At, at this level yeah. initially anyway yeah. well a lot of I mean Patricia will tell you about the kind of national stuff in the Edinburgh work we do a lot of that is digital anyway in Glasgow not so much but I definitely think we've really seen the value of it and when you're working in 
community led and development you have to do what you can to reach the community that you're there to work for um, and I think this has been a really valuable example I mean silver lining into yeah. every cloud I guess but for us as an organization it's been a really good lesson in yeah, do you know what we can actually still deliver our program we can still deliver it well a high quality program that's valuable to women we can still engage with them they still feel safe with us they still trust us they're still getting what they need from the program and they don't have to stress about oh you know i've got caring duties i've got to get into the class to do that or i've got to be in a certain physical place if they have access they can log in if not we'll post stuff to them and phone them up and check in so I think, I mean, it's not a decision that I can make. And obviously we have funders who have been incredible, by the way, just amazing. Um, but that's a decision that obviously Carol, Patricia, the board, the advisory panel, that's something that it would be yeah, valuable. I totally agree, like 100% that, that this has been such a good learning opportunity for us. And we, as Ange said, like we've been doing a lot of stuff digitally anyway, mainly because we're such a small team and sometimes like we can achieve like a much higher impact and reach more young women that way rather than kind of going out into communities you know with with a team of so few people but I think yeah it's really demonstrated to us that we can still deliver really useful powerful events and programs and doing it digitally and for like all the events that we did like physical events like kind of one-off events or annual events that we have like there are always physical events uh, and we you know tried to kind of move away from central belt and not always to them just in edinburgh or glasgow to go to different communities but still you know if you move an event to dundee and then you have a young woman who lives in orkney like that's not particularly accessible anyway. Mm-hmm. And we've always tried to secure funding to kind of pay for travel costs or to, to pay for childcare or kind of any sort of additional support that people might have. But that's always limited. Or, you know, we always go for venues that are fully accessible, but then there might be like accessibility needs that that is not going to be met. And it could be just, I cannot be at an event that lasts an hour. Like I need to have breaks. And I need to be able to leave that space and then I'm not going to participate in the event. And all of these different things that uh, that we've always tried to accommodate as best as we could. But now we are kind of realizing that what if like we did half of half and half events when you come and celebrate and you get to meet the team. But we also have those digital things and we are able to bring people from all over Scotland. You know, and we've done so many things since the lockdown. We've done like Q&As, we've done panels, we've done webinars. We had a burlesque uh, dance class. Uh, to kind of celebrate our status of young women in Scotland. Uh, we've had a poetry evening. Like we've had so many different things that would be really difficult for us to kind of, for such a small team to plan all of this. Yeah. If it was like securing the venue and looking at catering and all of those like little bits and pieces of logistics. And, and now we're able to do that. So yeah, definitely. And I think it's going to be such a good learning for all organizations in the sector on how to do things that are truly accessible. And how to do like, you know, when they talk about like blended return to schools of like two days you spend in school and then two days maybe you do homeschooling. I think we should do like a blended approach to to how we deliver. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds to me that there's so many issues that affect young women. You obviously you've you've mentioned many of them, you know, body positivity, self-image privilege the patriarchy <laughs> like period poverty and then also 
the many challenges that you as an organisation face to try and provide all these opportunities and provide help and support and events and connections and working with your partners, that it must be very difficult at times to to decide where your focus is at, at one time. Like you're saying you're a small team and it sounds like you're just constantly working towards doing your absolute best for a broad mm-hmm. spectrum of young women that, and that your understanding of young women is that we're not all the same and that we all have different needs. You're very much just finger on the pulse and being responsive and responsible. Like it's, you know, you're holding space for young women as well, which is a massive responsibility. Like I, I feel it every time I step into a dance class, that yeah. there's a huge responsibility to stand in front of a group and say, this is a safe space and make yeah. it that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but it's, it sounds like you very much embrace that and it, it's wonderful. Oh, it really is. Thank Going you. forward, obviously, you've got, you were saying uh, in July, you've got lots yeah. happening. And I'll obviously put all the links and I'll be share, share, share <laughs> all over social media. <laughs> um, but moving forward, what is your general mission for the organisation or for the young women that you're working with currently or that you will? Be with. I think it's continue creating those new opportunities and continue kind of getting into the sectors when where young women aren't represented and that will hopefully keep changing and there'll be like less and less sectors that we can explore some of our next steps for for the coming year is kind of working more with corporate sector and especially those sectors mm-hmm. where young women are either underrepresented or their progression rates or retention rates aren't great. So even if they get food through the door, they just stay at this kind of, you know, intern or assistant level and they don't really progress beyond that before they just get really disillusioned with the entire sector and leave. So some of the sectors that we really wanted to work closely with are finance and legal sector. And we've been kind of exploring how we can do that. And a lot of work that we do and will continue to do is around kind of political engagement and activism, because that's how you recreate change. And however you do it, whether it's kind of traditional, actually I will stand for election, actually I will represent voices of young women, or whether it's starting petitions, or whether it's doing kind of community-based activism. And it could be big, it could be small. Like we've had some great examples from from Glasgow Centre when when women just would write to their council and be like, this is happening on my street. Like, I'm not happy with this. And it's just like working with them through the steps that you can take and and then for them to see the change. So I think that's, that's always going to be focus of our work on how to kind of mobilize that movement to create those positive changes and just empower people or give them confidence or just give them tools to be able to do it themselves and on their own terms, providing yeah. support. This is how you, this is how you can do it. This is channels you could follow. Yeah. This is kind of if you want to speak to them, this is how you would find them. That rather than you should be yeah. doing this. That's not what we're yeah. about at and, all. And we always like every year. Like I, I honestly, usually at the beginning of the year, I don't know what we will be doing because it's like through the consultation of the work that Glasgow Center does. And the woman that the group of women that they are working with at that particular uh, moment in time, through working with the advisory panel and any issues that they are bringing, anything that is kind of happening globally. That's why I think that employment is probably going to be huge on our agenda in the coming year because we are just, mm-hmm. you know, on the verge of going into a massive economic crisis. And we know mm-hmm. uh, from previous economic crises that they affect young women in a this this proportionate way uh, and we know that young mm. women are going to lose jobs and that young women and, and women 
women of all ages will be having increased caring responsibilities and trying to juggle that. But also we've seen for these last you know, 12 weeks that, hey, we can actually do flexible working. Hey, homeworking actually works. Uh, and we'll be kind of working with other organizations to make sure that everything that happened during that crisis that was positive, that we can continue doing that. Whether it's flexible working, whether it's doing more digital stuff, or whether like in case of our center, it might be sending people those packs because maybe some days your mental health is just going to be so low that even going to the center it's not going to be an option for you, but you can get your pack and you can speak with your tutor over the phone and, you know, do it on your own terms. So I think we'll be trying to take all those silver linings and, and turn them into something more permanent. Yeah, it sounds like to me, like although you're dealing with a lot of negativity and negative issues that young women face, that you very much face it with a positive front, with a positive end, that, you know, it's very much a community like you're saying, like you're always looking for the best and the silver lining and, you know, how we can impact positive change and empower people. This this whole podcast is just oozed positivity, which is which is great because that empowers people, you know, when they feel welcomed and that there is a positive, safe space that people are, yeah. are more likely to speak yeah, up. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and because activism, you know, it's a marathon. Like it's it's not a sprint. So I think, you know, focusing on those kind of positive small steps and thinking about all the small steps that we are taking and all the things that we as an organization and as a team were able to contribute to. And and sometimes it could be something that seems really small, but the impact on like one person's life can be gigantic from something that, you know, seems like a small action. It could be Ange grabbing a cup of tea with someone and just giving them that space to talk about whatever is happening in their life. And that could have a a domino effect on the rest of their life. And you don't even know. So I think like for us, focusing on those small actions and hopefully mobilizing those tiny actions into this like avalanche of of massive change. Like this is what we're trying to do. I think as well, when you celebrate your achievements and as an organization, if we do that, we are showing the women that we work yeah. with. You should be proud of what you've done. And mm. as as Patricia's just said, those so for some a woman it might be that she moves out of a situation she was in. For another woman, it might be her massive achievement is that she got out of bed and went out yeah. the door that day. For another woman, it's that she's now sitting on a board. All of these yeah. are real examples. Yeah. But as an organisation, if we are showing the women we work with all over Scotland how positive we are about the challenges we face and how we are really proud to celebrate what we've achieved, it trickles down to everyone around us and it just, it it really, it makes it easier for, we were talking about before, knowing your worth, it makes it easier for for you to know your worth and like, you know, I've done that and I've done that well and I'm proud I've done that and that's kind of, the whole kind of ethos of our organization as well. And we do that with each other. You, That was yeah. great. You've done a great job there. Or oh, that was amazing. You know, well done. We're really supportive yeah. of each other in that way. And we know that that goes to the women and we know the women feel that yeah. as well because we get it back. We get it yeah. back from them. Yeah. You all have been in yeah, so many absolutely. situations and like these conversations that you've had where it was just grabbing a cuppa with someone mm. and just the magic of someone opening up and just having that lovely conversation, yeah. that connection. And like you said, Patricia, there'll be so many moments that you'll have had with people that they, you've not realised what impact that's that's had, that yeah. confidence boost or 
just that day that, uh, and you know, that elevator idea that we, we spoke about at the, the start, your top floor can be whatever it is exactly. for you. It's mm-hmm. not that we all yeah. need to aspire to be on boards or be world leaders or whatever, whatever your yeah. top floor is. Yeah, you know, exactly. You're empowering that person to get there and their top floor is important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and kind of celebrating every little tiny step like and we've been so proud of all these tiny little steps whether it's for our organization uh, or for women that we work with uh, and we share those stories across the team uh with with women's permission we share them on our social media as well as like look this is what this person achieved and these are the steps mm. that they took uh, and we give give our social media platforms uh, to other people to do takeovers to kind of speak about their journey on their own terms in their own voice probably for all of us if you ask the entire team like what's our favorite part of the job I think it would be that yeah, you've got to be reflective when you're working for people you have to be reflective yeah. you have to be looking at not only what have we done extremely well what could we maybe do yeah. a little better next yeah. time um, and we're, we're all totally about that. Um, we get training around it. We, we get a lot of training um, as to how to constantly kind of reflect and look at our kind of, our, f- from my point of view, our delivery. How can we can we tweak that a little bit? So it's constant. But reflection is really important. But definitely celebrating. And we're good at that. <laughs> we like that. <laughs> I wonder if you'll indulge me. I've got a, a section of the podcast that's called The Thingamabobs, and that is usually just to get to know my ga- my guests a wee bit better. Um, but I wonder if you could answer from the perspective of YWCA. Okay. This might be more a personal one. Favourite quote or mantra? I would say mine is, you've got this. I say that to myself quite, you've got it, you've got it, you've got yeah. it. I say to women a lot, you've got this. Yeah, I like that one. Love that, Angela. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I think for me it would be, and I think it's, and, and it's not a very kind of inspiring one, uh, but it's probably just, yeah, never to give up, continue going, and, and just, you know, things are going to change. Uh, and sometimes it's it's easy to kind of focus on all the negative stuff, but just, yeah, just keep going, I think, for me. Wonderful. Well done. <laughs> that was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, this might this will be tough because there'll be so many. But um, what's the best day ever that you've had at YWCA so far? Oh, oh wow! Okay, that is a tough yeah. one. Do you know what? I can actually think of a couple, and it usually involves in the Glasgow Centre. Carol, Libby, Heidi, and me laughing so much. I don't. It can just we laugh a lot, like to the point that. Your head is on the desk. All the energy has gone out of your body. No noise is coming out. Your mouth is just open and you're sore. Like you are sore. So I remember a lot of days like that when you just, something happens or somebody says something or somebody's telling, what did you do? And, you know, and it's just funny. So I remember a lot of days when you're sore from laughing. It would be quite similar for me, I think, like those moments when we come together as a team uh, and because we operate like in Glasgow and Edinburgh, so we don't see each other kind of on a daily basis. But any time that we do, it always ends up with us just like laughing and crying and we end up with like weird nicknames and it's it's like the whole thing that happens, like all the weird kind of insider jokes that, that we end up having. Yeah, it's totally amazing. Other than that is... For me, uh, I think any sort of like bigger events, I think when you just see so many people like coming together and kind of celebrating something with us, 
like you know when you're like at the back of the room and, and you see that sort of crowd and people who came to like yeah. celebrate something with you or people who want to learn something about the organization or who want to take a next step, who want to stand for election, like whatever the event is, that sort of moment when it's when it's like quiet before the storm and people are just coming in and you're like, wow. And I think that yeah. these these are the moments that I always like remember the most. Yeah, it's always nice when we have a, an event, we usually go out for a team photograph, yeah. just kind of, and then we take that minute, it's like, look at this. Yeah. All these women are here for the same reason. Yeah. And that's so, yeah, so powerful. that's yeah. a great feeling. Yeah. Mm, love it. And lastly, I ask everybody this on the podcast because the podcast is called The Bra and the Brave. Uh-huh. What is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Oh, I've got loads of them. See, I do lo- I know it's a Scottish word and I, I love the word dreek. Oh, yeah. Dreek yeah, it's a great word. Yeah, mine is probably weather related as well. So har, I really like that one. That sort of thing that you only get in Scotland. And, and you need to have a word for it because there's no other way to explain what's happening. And we've had one in Edinburgh uh, just this week, I think at the beginning of the week. So that would be mm-hmm. one for me. As tea for dinner, is that Scottish or is that British? Tea? Like for dinner. All of you, you're going in yeah. for tea? Uh, well, I'm, I'm from Liverpool and my dinner is your lunch. My tea is your dinner, which is very confusing. Way to God, I must have lived in Scotland for at least five years, if no longer, when I realized that this is actually not describing drinking tea. And I like, I think I like loads of words like to do with folklore. I really like Scottish folklore. So like Kelpie and things like that. All those like magical creatures and and beasts. Like, yeah. I like. I really like some Glaswegian phrases more than like a great words. Taps app oh, yeah. is one of the best. Yeah. <laughs> Taps app, Bolty rocket or a roaster. I think is hysterical. <laughs> I love the as well. Uh, what's it? Do you think I'm buttoned up the back? <laughs> Honestly, like Glaswegian words are some of the best words. Um, but the phrases, they're the ones that really get me laughing. <laughs> With your Glaswegian accents. <laughs> I bet that there is like no internet. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Bra and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now. A huge thank you to Patricia and Ange for such wonderful insight into YWCA and for their patience throughout this recording. You may have guessed that we had a few technical issues and I lost them at the end there. But um, yeah, if you want to know any more about YWCA, then check the show notes.